Welcome back to Popcorn Politics. Today we are talking about the final year, which is the film about the final year of the Obama presidency, specifically from a foreign policy point of view. My name is Dermot. I'm here with Jack. Hi, Dermot. How are you? I'm very well. I'm feeling... You just watched the movie, didn't you? I, I watched the movie about like maybe an hour and a half ago. I just want to be clear. Um, you watched the movie an hour and a half ago. I watched the movie about a week and a half ago. And I'm still... I, I'm depressed over it still. How, how are you feeling? This, like, I'm not, I'm not even messing. This might be one of the most depressing movies I've ever watched, where it's clear that they didn't set out to make a depressing movie. Like, this is meant to be a fly on the wall. Here's what's going on. We're getting deep into the heart of the Obama White House, specifically from the foreign policy area, where he really, really is. He's going to make so much happen. And you just leave this movie feeling so hopeless. Um, not just from the point of view of, oh, they didn't really achieve anything, but as we'll get into, it's clear that they were working towards something that never happened. Yeah, so the movie itself was clearly there to portray what they, it seemed anyway, that it was there to portray what they felt would be a stepping stone in their foreign policy strategy that would continue on the next US presidential administration or whatever came after Obama, be it Hillary or whomever else, Donald Trump. Uh, none of it happened. And yeah, I've got, it, it was just parts of it were, were awful. Lots of work went to waste. Um, and even some of the underlying ideologies that they had, uh, I, I have some issues with as well. But uh, before we get into that, do you want to talk about, uh, we, we, we kind of touched on this earlier on, do you want to talk about your experience of knowing that Donald Trump was elected or finding out Donald Trump was elected? It's funny you say whomever replace. Yeah, I know. I, that was a terrible choice in words. Whomever, yeah, whoever replaces. Or whomever um, would oh, have replaced them. Because there's a scene in the film early on, and we actually, in many ways, follow. This, so there's two people we follow in particular. There's Ben Rhodes, who was like the media guy for the State Department under Obama, and then there's Samantha Power, who is the UN ambassador, uh, the US UN ambassador, and. There's a moment earlier on the film where someone, I think it's in Lao, asks Ben Rhodes, is there any chance of Donald Trump winning? And he says, no, not a chance. Like, it's going to be Hillary. It's funny because later in the film, they ask him about the polls that are showing Trump as a chance, and he's a little less sure about it. But I remember, I, so I actually wasn't working in politics at the time. I was living in Galway. I was working for like a chain of pubs, uh, doing social media for them, a job that I was not very good at. And I did not like, which is not exactly a dream combination. But I went to bed relatively early on the night of the election in 2016, because I think like a lot of people, I just thought, well, Hillary's going to win. It's not going to be a particularly interesting night. I'm just going to go straight to bed. And I should have learned my lesson because for the second time in the year, having already experienced Brexit, I woke up with Donald Trump has won the election. And I had the exact same reaction I had the first time which was, it's weird they put up like a joke headline like that. <laughs> but it was true. And then I just had to go straight to work as if nothing had happened when, in fact, the world as we knew it had changed. But what, I don't have a particularly interesting story. My story was just, I think, the story a lot of people in Ireland had, which was I woke up and Hillary Clinton had not won. What was your experience? It's probably slightly more interesting than mine. I don't know if my one was necessarily a lot more interesting than yours. But 
I went to the Arlington Hotel because that year the American ambassador was putting on a live feed of an American news network. I think it was CNN, but I'm not entirely sure. And they do this every year. They do something like this every year, the American ambassador, except for 2020 because uh, of that whole pandemic thing that went on. But um, the American ambassador was putting it on in the Arlington Hotel and I went there with some friends who, who invited me in. I wasn't working in politics at the time as well. I was a tour guide at the time, which I enjoyed much more than I think you enjoyed working for pubs, which is nice for me. Um, but anyway, I remember going there to the Arlington Hotel. Everyone was just sure that Hillary Clinton would win and Donald Trump lose. Uh, everyone felt that way except for the one American in the room who I knew, who was an American intern. And she was just wandering around the Arlington Hotel, the big function room in the Arlington Hotel with a gin and tonic, just saying her political opinions that she didn't really like Donald Trump, but she preferred him to Hillary Clinton. And she voted for him. She hoped he would win. She, everyone else thought she was crazy. Uh, all of us foreigners who had no real vote, no real say. And as the night progressed, more and more of the votes came in, especially when Florida came in. People felt really disappointed. And myself and a few others at that stage went around to uh, McDonald's on O'Connell Street. And I remember that a friend of mine, half a Big Mac and at 4am in O'Connell Street, uh, McDonald's, he decided to call it a night because Donald Trump had more or less won. And that's my kind of of that evening. Yeah, like it's funny because obviously I think that for the vast, vast majority of people, including some speculate the Trump campaign, nobody expected this result. And so when you're watching this film, the outcome of that election hangs over everything. And you can't really talk about this film without talking about the Trump election. I was saying to you before we recorded, it felt like this film was meant to be essentially documenting the alley-oop pass that they were going to be giving to the Hillary Clinton administration, which the Donald Trump election win just came in and blocked the shot perfectly right before it was about to be put in. That's how this film feels. So you are seeing, you are seeing Samantha Power go off and try to get a lot of humanitarian work done. And we can get into it in a little bit how effective we think she was in that. But clearly the aim there was that they thought Hillary Clinton was going to make this a priority, particularly stuff like Boko Haram. We, we follow John Kerry, who was the Secretary of State at the time, and he's talking about climate, and he's talking about Paris Accords. He's also talking about the Iran nuclear deal and these, these big things that Obama got done, these centerpiece achievements, which we know in retrospect, and we knew by the time this film came out, uh, this film came out in 2017, that these would all be thrown in the bin within a year of Obama leaving the office. So there is a this this real sense of squandered potential that hangs over this entire movie. What do you think? I, I, I think you're right. You have some of the most powerful people in the world, certainly some of the most powerful people working the State Department in the US, spending a year of their lives, unimaginable amounts of money and resources and man hours, working towards goals that we know are going to be futile. Whatever about their, their ideologies, their reasons for doing it, we know that they're going to fail by the beginning of the movie. It's funny, actually, at the beginning of the movie, Ben Rhodes says uh, something along the lines of, we're going to change the world. I, I don't want to come across as though I think any of these are bad people. I think they were all, you know, mean well and mean the best and whatever else. But there was an issue that I had at the beginning of the movie where Ben Rhodes, he talks about how when he goes into the White House first, and he's there in the West Wing, and he's thrilled to be there as well. He should be. You know, he's working in the West Wing, working in the White House. He spoke about how there was only about, I think, it's been a while since I watched the movie, but he spoke about how there was only about 30 or so people who worked there. And 
he kept going on about how much of a privilege it was to work there. And I just couldn't help but feeling that, you know, maybe there should be more access to it or maybe there should be more people involved or something to that effect. Um, yeah, it was just it was just weird that there was so few people involved with such important decision making or such an important decision making process. I don't know, did, did, did that come out to you or did that strike you or what do you think about that? Uh, I suppose not really in that I they do kind of make it clear that this department is only part of a wider structure, you know, which involves CIA, which involves the other major bodies that do kind of international work. That's not counting the UN team that Samantha Power would have. You know, there's other groups involved. I actually, it's funny because I got the sense, so I, I know Ben Rose has a podcast. I have not listened to it. Uh, I know he's really involved with the, um, the Pod Safe America guys, but I did get the sense from this that he, he seems someone who genuinely believed that he could make a difference. And it's interesting seeing, you know, so much of what he said throughout the film was stuff that really resonated with me having worked in communications and politics, obviously not to the level that he's worked in but he rails against the media a lot of the time you know they bring up about his his famous blob interview where he rails against the foreign policy establishment he rails against the media and how they cover things he points out at one point that the media particularly i think the more gutter media he doesn't quite use those words but he says you know they know of course that we think climate change is a bigger threat than isil because they keep trying to they keep trying to push him to say oh do you think it's a bigger threat he says, you know, one could wipe out all life on Earth. I'm just sick of this being seen as a political vulnerability. And you, you really, I really empathize with that, having worked in comms and in politics, because so much of the time you're, you feel like screaming at the media, like, how do you not see that climate change is the most important issue? And, you know, you get responses like, what about the cost? And you're going, well, what about the cost of not doing anything about it? That being said, the sense that I kept getting from it is that actually he he almost felt powerless. And I don't mean just in, in the sense that he wasn't able to do anything. I, I felt like his big goal was he wanted to change the way foreign policy is looked at. He said, you know, this is a different way of doing foreign policy. And at the end of the film, the guy who doesn't see climate change as an issue, but says we're going to destroy ISIS, he's the guy who wins, you know? Um, nothing changes. It's, I know we're going to keep harping on this, but this this film just felt very powerless. Uh, although I did appreciate having been a political speechwriter, seeing that even at the highest level of government, people are still writing speeches the day of. Um, it was it was nice to see that that doesn't just happen where I've worked. That happens when Obama would be giving some massive speech to some uh, foreign dignitaries. Yeah, I, I I felt a little bit better about myself when I saw that as well. Uh, that was that was definitely that was definitely good to see. So Ben Rhodes, he comes across as a pretty. I think I found him quite likable, quite relatable. I'm glad to see that uh, other people wrote speeches right up until the the speech itself, practically, which is kind of reassuring in a few ways. But I think it just goes back to something that we we mentioned earlier on about the sense of powerlessness. So <clears throat> Ben Rhodes, by the end of the movie at least from what we've seen in that film, he hasn't really achieved much. He's gone about his, his job day-to-day, fine, yes, but any of the grand projects that he was working on kind of went nowhere. And he keeps railing against the media and the systems and the blob and whatever else. 
But at the same time, he is also a part of that kind of machine himself. I feel like the the moment that I I haven't had a, even a chance to look at any of the reviews for this film or any of the kind of postmortems for this film. It almost feels like it's the appropriate term. But it feels like the defining moment of the film. And it's getting back to the thing that looms over this entire movie, and that's Donald Trump's election. It's on election night. We are with Ben Rhodes, who is sitting by himself, and he literally cannot come up with any words. He stammers, he tries to have something to say about this moment, but he's so in shock, understandably. And it's so clear that the realization has come over him that everything that they have set out to do this year was in some way for nothing, that he can't even muster up words to put it into any context or to even just have the thing to say. And for someone who, as their career, is the words guy, it's, I don't know if heartbreaking is the word, but it's something. Um, And then we get to our other hero, if we will. Um, This film does follow John Kerry, and there's some interesting stuff with him. He was Secretary of State. He talks about how he's an optimist and how if he wasn't, he wouldn't be able to do the job. And, you know, we see him go to Antarctica and say that this really makes him folk. I think it was Antarctica. It could have been the Arctic. But he's he's somewhere very cold, Jack. And he says how it really focuses his mind on uh, the climate. But he's not really the other big star. The other big star of this is Samantha Power, who, if nothing else, I came out of this film feeling like Samantha Power really really cares like genuinely does care about refugee issues she does care about the state of the world you can agree or disagree on what she believes is the right thing to do but i i really got the sense that she does care and that makes much like the ben road stuff the fact that we know that she's not going to be able to achieve the big things she set out to do and she's not going to be able to set up for the next administration to make the real strides that she wants to see on refugee issues, on women's issues, on international peace, that those things aren't going to happen. It's again, it's, it's what makes you leave this film feeling so down. I mean, some of the better good Irish woman, fair play to her going over there at the age of nine, becoming a, an American citizen in her 20s, I think. She seems like a really interesting person, someone whom I didn't know much about before I watched this movie. I, I've since listened to a few of her interviews, read a bit about her. So, Samantha Power, she's obviously a bit of a controversial figure in that she's advocated for military action in the past when, you know, some people say that she shouldn't have. She's quite controversial. Now, from watching the movie, it's very clear that she cares. It's very, very clear that she's a supporter of all those things that you mentioned earlier on. She wants to get rid of Boko Haram, she wants world peace, she wants an end to uh, to human suffering and all that sort of stuff. All that good social justice kind of thing. But the way, like the, the things that she does in order to advocate for that and in order to bring people on board, I'm, I, I, I'd question. So we spoke about this a while ago and this was something that really stuck out to me was, so Samantha Parrish, she was the American ambassador to the United Nations and there is a section of the movie where... There was a kind of kiosk at the UN building in New York where they had a virtual reality tour of a refugee camp. So they set up some VR tour of a refugee camp. Samantha Power went into it and there is a scene where she's there desperately trying to get the Saudi Arabian ambassador to the UN to take the tour. At one point she says, if there's one thing I ask you to do, if there's one thing I ask you to do, 
Let's take that tour. Take that virtual reality tour. I felt a little bit strange about that because she barely mentions Yemen at any stage in the movie. I think it's kind of one or two mentions throughout the entire thing. And Yemen is probably the worst humanitarian crisis in the world right now, at least to my knowledge. Um, obviously, it's a hard thing to compare. But yeah, you, you have some experience with those VR things from the EU. Can you can you talk a bit about that? Because you've, you've seen these things. I, I, I never have. I don't know what to think. Yeah, so I think there's actually two things here. And the film, I think, does a very bad job of differentiating it. I believe, I believe we're talking about the VR thing. She's, it's where she's wearing the Oculus. And then there's a separate booth, as you said, where I think you go and you actually talk to refugees in a camp. Because so when I when I worked in um, when I worked in the European Parliament, they had set up a similar. I believe it was probably the same group. Uh, it, they're weird. They look like a giant pod that, in our case, MEPs and commissioners and them would go into uh, to connect with these refugee children, mostly refugee children, I believe. Um, I remember that it was something that we really, the party that I was working for, really wanted to push as like a good thing. I don't actually necessarily think they're a bad thing. Like I think anything that builds empathy with people who kind of so often feel like statistics, I think that is a good thing. But it, you're right, it was strange. It because at that moment we hadn't really met Samantha Power. It was almost like her first characterization, as she has this very strange, very stilted almost not quite pleading but a very strange interaction with the Saudi Arabian ambassador and like obviously comments like if I only ever ask you to do one thing that could very well have just been hyperbole you know well I want to be clear that was clearly an off-the-cuff thing that she said I don't mean that that was an official statement or anything you know but it was just a strange thing to show in the movie you know that they made the conscious decision to to record that and put it in the in the film yeah, I mean, from talking to some of the MEPs who did it, it does feel like it was very impactful for them. It does feel like they had a, a very genuine feeling coming out of it. Maybe she thought that that experience, that moment of empathy might have impacted on someone, on impacted on the ambassador in this way. And like, it was, but you're right, it was strange because it is her, her introduction to us as a person. My problem with that, with the Samantha Power stuff, and uh, it... it, it the entire movie, really, um, except for maybe the Ben Rhodes kind of thing, because the Ben Rhodes section, you you want to follow a speechwriter in the room or, or some assistant in the room. For the Samantha Power sections of the movie, her main goal is to advocate for human rights in areas of the world where people are struggling to get their stories out. And throughout the movie, we don't really know a huge amount about these people's stories. We know about her hearing about their stories. We know... The work that that she is listening to these people and that she is engaging with them, but we don't get to do that. Now, maybe I'm just not watching the right stuff. Maybe I I, I haven't read up enough. I am definitely I definitely haven't. But at the same time, all that we really do that we really know by the end is that she has been on the front lines or as close to the front lines as you can reasonably expect to be, and seen and met these people herself and knows their stories. But I didn't feel, but like by the end of the movie, that I knew anything more about them. I mean, I don't. I will be fair to the movie in, in saying that I don't know if that's the point. I think the point is just to show what she does and her efforts. That's fair enough. But at the same time, I would have liked to know where to go to find out more. 
you know, if it, if it is that important to them, you know? I, I, ah, sure, anyway. Yeah, the final year of the Obama administration. Yeah, and again, it's, it is one of those things where we're talking about refugee rights. And of course, this is another section of the film that is just radically changed by the fact that we know who's coming next. We know yeah. that this is not going to be prioritized by the next administration. And that really colors everything in this film. And I know I keep harping on about it, but that's just, you can't talk about this film without the impending sense of doom that you have throughout it and that the characters don't know. And there's there's obviously an irony to the whole thing to the point where when they finally find out what's going on, like what when they finally find out what's going to happen, it just, it leaves everything feeling so damn negative. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's quite clear from my, from how I've spoken about this so far, that I didn't enjoy the movie. Did, did, did you enjoy watching it? Did I enjoy watching it? I definitely, I actually don't know. I mean, I don't know if I could recommend this movie. Yes. No, I, I, well, I would recommend this movie to anyone who is not necessarily a Trump supporter, but who didn't like Obama or his administration. I think if you didn't like Obama or his administration, you love this movie. That's certainly a take. Uh, well, <laughs> I definitely thought that this was an interesting movie. I definitely thought that what it showed was engaging and that it gave you a peek behind the screen. The piece of media I would most compare this movie to, though, and this might sound very out of left field, but would be South Park Season 20. South Park Season 20 was basically they were going to have a full season uh, syndicated based around the 2020 election, or at least in conjunction with the 2020 or 2016 election. And so it's obviously building up to this moment where Hillary Clinton wins. And then the second half of the, or the, and then the second half of the season is going to be about the repercussions of Hillary Clinton winning. And they had it all planned out and they had all plotted out. And in fact, and in fact, an episode was due to come out the day after Hillary Clinton had won, as it were. Because famously, South Park make their episodes up until the last minute. And the rest of the season is infamously hampered by the creator's own admittance, by the fact that the show assumed that this one thing was going to happen and it was going to center everything around this thing it assumes is going to happen. And then that thing doesn't happen. In fact, the opposite happens. And so they're left with kind of despair. And this film was exactly the same. Every move that this film makes, every shot that it takes, every piece of footage it decides to put up, with the exception of a couple of, do you think Trump's going to win? No. You can tell You can tell that the idea behind this was that this was going to be a last hurrah. And I know I keep saying this, but it it is the film. The film is, in many ways, about the failure of the Obama administration to plan for a Donald Trump presidency. Even if you don't like Obama, this film, just from a wasted potential point of view, like a, I don't mean against the filmmakers, I mean when you're watching what happened. So I think it's time to talk about that, uh, the worst part of the movie. Samantha Power is going on a UN mission to a part of Africa that was affected by Boko Haram. So she starts her, her UN mission listening to the families of victims of Boko Haram. And it's, it's quite heartbreaking. She goes to a number of events and then eventually she goes off way out and uh, she goes off on one of those big convoys of UN jeeps. There's, you know, 30 or however many big white UN jeeps. It's the kind of thing you'd see in some sort of a, an action movie or something like that. She goes off into a village that was recently negatively impacted by Boko Haram, listens to more harrowing stories, 
cries with the the, the relatives of victims of the of Boko Haram, and then as they leave, they run over and kill a seven year old boy. We find this out. She relays this story on the flight home, clearly devastated. It's 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 a really really difficult thing to watch. Yeah, I don't really have anything even to say about it. Like it it sort of happens and then and the film moves on. You were saying to me before I'd watched the film that it almost felt like they had come to this place and actually left having done literally more harm than good. I don't even know if there's really any words you can say. It's just it's it's a moment in the film where they can't not bring it up. It is the defining thing that happened in that trip. I still do think that that UN mission, from what they showed of it anyway, wound up doing more harm than good. And in a way, it kind of shows it's it's a kind of in microcosm uh, the the impact that their policies had in the long run. You know, well, maybe not more harm than good, but certainly useless, really, as the whole year was functionally for them. They went in with the best of intentions, but they left pretty bad shape. So obviously, look, we talked a lot about how this film is grim. Um, but there's an interesting thing that Obama says at the end of this film. He talks about how, yes, moments can seem dark, but the world is on an upward trend, that things inevitably get better, that yes, there will be days that feel worse, there will be years that feel worse, and things don't always go just up in a straight line, but this is the best time to ever be alive, and that we need to appreciate that while still acknowledging the, the terrible things going on. His worldview seems to clash with Samantha Power, who in his final State of the Union, really wants to talk about, well, actually, there's still all these problems we haven't solved yet. There's the fear of the other. She, she says there's the fear of the other, and all the trend lines on democracy right now, at least, are headed in the wrong direction, which, prophetic. Um, who do you, just based on this film alone, who do you think makes the stronger art? Is it Samantha Power or is it Barack Obama? I think it's Ben Rhodes, to be honest with you. But uh, if I have to choose between those two people, no, you could look. You want you want to go with your wild third I, option. I want to. I want to third party candidate. I I want to just disregard the choice that you have left me. I I want to disagree with the question fundamentally. Um, no, I th- I think uh, I mean they're both right. I mean uh, the 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 general trend in history has been upward for a long time, which is good, but it doesn't feel like it. And I think that you need to address that. You know, you need to say the things. Things are hard. You know, Obama, he does mention that things might seem hard for a year or more, but they are going up overall. But you also need to admit that a year is a long time to live in a situation where you feel like things are going down. And I mean, we've just lived through that. Or yeah. we are currently living through that, I should say. We are currently living through another lockdown here in Ireland. Just got announced right before Christmas. That's great. Um, But I think that what Samantha Power was trying to say is that you need to show some sort of a practical way out which I think Obama kind of avoided. I mean, we, we don't see much of Obama throughout the movie, but when we see him, he kind of avoids any of the hard questions. He kind of avoids giving any practical advice or anything that we can kind of take action on. Whereas Samantha Power, at the very least, she she does try to acknowledge the um, the lived experience of people. You said, when I gave you that those two, said Samantha Power, Barack Obama, you said Ben Rhodes. Yeah. I'm going to need you to elaborate on that. You don't just get away with your your hot because, take. Because Ben Rhodes just he just went on mad rants, which I enjoyed. Uh, he struggled to get into a car while wearing a backpack at one point, which I thought was a bit of crack. 
by the way, for our listeners, if we ever have any listeners from outside of Ireland, crack you is did, just a bit of fun or a good time. One, you did this in the last time. Yeah, it's important. It's important to keep mentioning this to people from outside of Ireland because it's it's just, I'm going to keep doing it for as long as I have to. Um, or as long as I feel I have to. But yeah, Ben Rhodes, he struggles to get into into a car. He He's there with his daughter, which is pretty cute. You know, doing the, the, the piggyback on the shoulders with his daughter, which is, which is nice. I just enjoyed his parts of the movie more. Actually, what I will say is I thought John Carrey's... John Carrey? 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 Carrey. Carrey's parts were great. Now, John Carrey, I think, is... Why is he still around? He's in his 70s. He should be going to see the opera. He shouldn't be stuck in diplomatic boardrooms and ruining the his twilight years in this earth. Well, he says himself his job is to keep fighting and keep working. You know, I think he... But, I mean, what? Like, why do... And some points out, like, he's... He's sort of there to be the activist. He's there to like, he believes in this stuff and he's been, whatever you think about John Kerry, he's been fighting for this stuff since Vietnam. Yeah, okay. He's someone who not just think, doesn't just think deeply about the nature of foreign policy, but he really just, he wants to be there. He wants to be. And plus now he's retired. He's, yeah. I'm sure he's watched <clears throat> a lot of opera in the last three years. I would hope so. So what I liked about that is that I gave you two ideological options and you as a third option went, there's this guy I just kind of liked. Out of the good vibes exclusively, or actually there's a lot of pain in the world, do you think that they made the right choice going with the positive message, just based solely on what we saw in this film? Or do you think that Samantha Power had a good point, that they should have incorporated more of the real world suffering that's going on? So I, I don't think that that's the right approach to have. So the reason why I kind of went for Ben Rhodes and I just kind of realized that there is I think I think all of them were trying to do the same thing and that's fundamentally engage with people but in their own different ways so Obama wanted to engage with people by uh, inspiring them he mentioned that a few times throughout the movie some of the power wanted to engage with people by listening to them and sharing their stories with everyone else but neither of them really talk about how to do it for me I found the most engaging story or the most engaging parts of the movie was when Ben Rhodes was just he had no filter. He wasn't trying to talk like a politician. He was just talking like a normal person. And I think that a lot of the issues that they're trying to solve would be better helped by people just engaging with one another in the best way that suits them as individuals. I actually agree with that. I think that the the parts of the movie that were the most engaging was when Ben Rhodes in the back of a car or kind of off the side. I think even a couple of times he says, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but... That is the most engaging part. And you're right. I think that Obama comes across like his Obama's message is so full of hope that it feels slightly less than genuine, I think, especially in the context of the Trump victory. But I actually I think that Rhodes and Obama were right to push for a slightly more positive message for his last for his last day of the union. If nothing else, then because if this is your last one, you kind of need to go out with a positive message to encourage people to still believe in the process because there, there's a lot of criticisms that you can have of the people in this film. For the most part, I think cynicism is not one of them. And while you and I might disagree with the idea that the best thing you can do is to have good people in positions of power just as a structure for an ideology, I still think that, and I'd rather the people with a bit of sincerity in a position of power than someone purely cynical. And I think that the only way you're really going to get that is to encourage people to hope and believe. And 
while obviously I came out of this film feeling generally quite negative and quite down, there are notes of hope because I think that it gives you the sense that, well, not everyone who gets involved in this world is just a weird creep who wants to walk around with a lanyard and feel important. These people feel like they have genuine positive things that they that they strive for. Whether or not their methods are always right, they're still there doing their best. And I think that, especially when you compare it to the Trump administration, where a lot of the people felt either wholly incompetent, cynical, or a complete ideological weirdo, or a mix of the three. You know, I think you it's almost nice to look at this film and go, well, I don't know how many of these people I'd want in these positions, but compared to the alternative, and I think that that message of hope, that message that, hey, we can do even better than this, and we can always improve, and things can get better. I think that's a good political message. And I, I kind of, I'm, I'm glad that the film left on that message rather than leaving on a what a waste of time. And I'm glad to a certain extent that the the people that this film focused on didn't walk away telling us, the audience, that they should give up and roll over. Yeah, to be fair to them, the the, the two the two not unelected people that we meet, Ben Rhodes and Samantha Power, they're pretty honest throughout, or at least they come across as quite honest throughout the movie. So on on the on the speech, I think Obama he kind of has to be hopeful, or or as hopeful as he can be. And in those State of the Union speeches, he he's in charge, and it's the book stops with him. All the responsibility is on him. But you can argue if the responsibility should entirely be placed on him or not. But that's the way the media is going to see it. That's the way the public are going to see it. So he kind of has to portray everything in an as in as positive or as hopeful light as he can. So I think even just from the the reality of the situation on the ground. That's just going to have to happen. I would more agree with Samantha Power on the speech writing stuff than I think I would like to see a little bit more of the, the honesty in it. But, well, I'd like to see a bit more of the reality of the situation on the ground. Yeah, although I kind of feel like it was hinted at that the reason that Samantha Power was pushing for that kind of language was because she wanted to stir up desire for some kind of intervention, which... I don't know where I stand on that at this stage. I know what not intervening in Syria looked like. Didn't turn out great, but I also know what intervening in Iraq and other countries looked like. That also has not gone great. I think Obama actually makes the point that you can't just intervene in a country. And then I think Obama even makes the point he's given a speech to troops. And he says, well, the problem is you can't just intervene in a country and then essentially leave them to their own devices and not really make the steps to pursue democracy and we could be looking at a situation where a war could have started and then trump gets in i'm going down a whole other rabbit hole i'm just saying that there's obviously this context to what she wants to do it's not that she's just like i want to tell the truth she has an angle so some other power was definitely coming at her uh, speech advice with an angle that's kind of obvious and it's not necessarily unexpected either but yeah generally speaking what what did you think of the film would, would you recommend this movie to who, who would you recommend this movie to? Are we getting into last thoughts? Yes, section right now. Yeah. You last thoughtsing me. I, I would like to never have to think about this movie ever after this. I think I'm going to think about this movie a lot. I think it's a good movie, but like, not to sound like a broken record, but I feel like this film's context really, really shapes it. And it's a shame that throughout the film. We don't get the context for what Donald Trump means for this exercise. 
until the very end. We get like brief moments of it, but it's more like a doesn't this idiot realize that doing X and Y, oh, that would mean X and Y and Z could be thrown into chaos, but it's not really, we're not really given like, a, I think a really good critique or even just a really good contextualization for it. But I think that this is a worthwhile movie to watch with the caveat that you got to be in the right mood. Like I kept putting this film off. The reason I waited until today to watch this was partially timing it right, but partially just you had made it clear to me that you just, I needed to be ready to watch this movie because it was going to be tough to watch. And it is. And it's not tough to watch with the exception of the horrible, horrible thing that happens to the young boy. It's not tough to watch because of anything that happens. Uh, it's it's the general atmosphere and the hopelessness it instills in you as a whole. So I think I would I would recommend this to someone, but with clear guidance that you need to be ready. You need to be in the right frame of mind because this film could destroy you. Yeah, fair enough. I think that the movie, like, I really did enjoy watching it. I think that's very clear. Uh, again, maybe if you if you're Maybe not necessarily a Trump supporter, but if you if you if you dislike the Obama administration, you might get a bit of a kick out of their twenty sixteen election night viewing party and seeing their faces gradually gradually drop. Um, as far as what you, what you said there, you know, some of the characters say that oh, are these these idiots in the Trump administration? You know, do they not know that if X and Y happens, Z or Z is going to happen after that? The characters themselves are guilty of that same form of thinking. I mean. The, the movie itself misses out on a huge amount of context for all their decisions. And I think it's quite clear that the people in the movie, I say characters, the, these people, they clearly miss out on a lot of the context for their decisions as well, which it, that just seems to be what's happening. Um, it's a good movie if you dislike the people involved and want to see them uncomfortable, or if you want to learn from their mistakes, because they clearly made a lot of mistakes in that final year. This would be a very, very different film with the context of Hillary Clinton win. And I think it's a really important thing to take from this in politics, that you can have a lot of plans, but if the other campaigns aren't doing what you need them to do, there's nothing you can do. You know, having worked in the head office of different political parties during election campaigns, you can have a really good manifesto or a really bad manifesto. But if you've got a really bad candidate, a really good candidate, you can do a lot better or worse than you expect. So much of this is out of your hands. And it seems like these people operated on the assumption that, well, this thing will be done. The Hillary Clinton election is a definite, so we don't have to worry. When in reality, as we know now, there were so many problems with the Hillary Clinton campaign that, you know, you can get screwed over by the inaction of others. Like, obviously, there's mistakes these people made. But I think the biggest mistake, which is something we all need to really hammer in, is that in politics, much like in life, to use that awful, awful expression. In politics, you can't take anything for granted. And they all took Hillary Clinton election for granted. And on that cheery note, this is the end of another episode of Popcorn Politics. Next time, can we please do a, a comedy or something like that? Because I, I, I can't do two of the, these in a row. Next time, we're going to do the saddest film that I can uh, find. No. Let's see how we can destroy Jack. No. Let's do it. Stop. Let's end the podcast after three episodes because Jack yeah. is in a constant flood of tears. Well, I'm not that bad. I just. No, but you will be. You will be when. You want me to be in a flood of tears. Get whatever. I can't even think of anything right now, but I'll find something. Sorry. You'll find something. If you like this podcast, please like, rate, subscribe, all those good things. We'd really, really appreciate it. 
we're still ironing out the kinks. It's early days, but we'd really, 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 really appreciate any support that you could give us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell those you feel neutral about. It's all really good. Jack, do you have any closing thoughts to send to the listener? Yeah, I think uh, for this podcast, this particular one, episode two, tell your enemies more about it than your friends. Uh, But in general, uh, on the whole, uh, yeah, if you can like, share, subscribe, whatever things that you need to do to help spread the word, that'd be very much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we we want to engage with as many of our listeners, if we ever have any listeners, as we can. Yeah, and again, this is very early days. We are still figuring all of this stuff out. So please be kind. I'm very sorry. We will be back next time with something happier. We haven't picked it out yet, but it will be a slightly less grim listening experience. Bye, guys.